life. Today we're going to look at Solomon and Jesus and how he saw the differences in how they saw material goods, stuff, what they think about life. So let me read you first from Matthew chapter 6. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's how Jesus depicts our life, is laying up treasures in heaven, not here. And so Solomon actually gives us the why of this today. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 18, and it is right up here behind me. Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 18, and we're going to go through verse 23. I hated all the toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So <clears throat> Solomon tells us, we have, a, we have a saying that goes very much like it. Solomon tells us, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. How many times have you heard that? You can't take it with you. Uh, the, the Jewish proverb for this is they don't make pockets on burial shrouds. Same idea. The idea being, we can't take it with us. It doesn't go with us where we go. There's, a, there's an old joke about a man who tried to. He, uh, he was so rich that, uh, that <clears throat> he just begged God, can I take my, my, my wealth with me? I worked so hard, let me take my wealth with me. And so God finally relents and says, fine. And so he has it all converted to gold, and he has it buried with him. All of his, gold, uh, all of his wealth converted to gold and buried with him. And so he, 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 he passes away, he goes, and he, and he gets to the, to the gates of heaven dragging all of this gold. And, and St. Peter, of course, I don't know why St. Peter's always the guy at the gates, I don't know. But, but uh, St. <clears throat> Peter's at the gates, and, and he says, uh, you know, we, we were expecting you earlier, and you look really tired, what's going on? And, and, and the guy says, well, God let me convert all of my wealth to gold, and so I've been dragging this gold all the way up here. And Peter says, you brought pavement? <laughs> you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you because it, 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 it won't come, and, and it, you can't send it ahead either. So you think, okay, great. I can't take it with me. I can't send it ahead, but I can leave it here for my children. Right, I, my children, my grandchildren, they can, they can, uh, they can have the the fruits of all the toil I had. All 
Solomon deals with that in verses 18 through 21. He says, I hated all my toil, which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to a man who come after me. And who knows whether you be wise or a fool. Solomon actually is prophetic here. Because if you know the story of Solomon and, and the early kingdoms, um, Solomon's own son, Rehoboam, messes up the whole kingdom. David, Solomon's father, fights to conquer all of this land. Then Solomon spends his life consolidating it and making Israel the most prosperous and, and the wealthiest and, and the most put-together uh, country in all of that, that region. And then Solomon dies, and the kingdom goes to Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, <clears throat> Rehoboam, and this story, by the way, is told in 1 Kings 12, if you want to read this for yourself. Solomon passes the kingdom on to his son, Rehoboam. Now, Solomon, in order to build everything that he built, he uses constricted labor, in other words, forced labor. And so there's this guy named Jeroboam who comes from the, the, the forced labor crowd. And he comes to, to Rehoboam and says, you know, your dad was way too hard on us, so be, go easier on us. We, we want, he's, he's sort of trying to unionize <laughs> the, the workers because he, it, it, we work too hard. We, we, it, it's all, you've you got to be easier on us. So what does Rehoboam say? I'm going to be harder on you. You're going to work longer. You're going to work harder. You're going to have less, less time off, less breaks. You, I'm going to be harder than, on you than my father was. So Jeroboam goes back to the forced labor and causes an upri uh, uprising against Rehoboam, against the king. And the kingdom splits. And we know this split because it's, it's the ten northern tribes become Israel, the two southern tribes become Judah. This split happens because Rehoboam is arrogant. He is a fool. And so everything that David conquered and everything that Solomon worked to, con to solidify and, and, and make into one good nation, Rehoboam split with his arrogance. He's a fool. And you know, here we are 3,000 years later, and this isn't put back together yet. This isn't reunited yet. 3,000 years later, one generation wrecked everything the two generations before did. But we, we know modern-day examples of that as well. Uh, Jill and I were watching uh, uh, a series on American dynasties, and, and so it was talking about the, the Gettys and the Rockefellers and the, the Vanderbilts and all of these families and these original the original generation had nothing, started with nothing, and built this great empire. And then within two or three generations from there, it's all squabbled away. It's squandered. Nothing left of the power, the influence, the money. One generation wrecking the, uh, the, the hard work of two generations before. We see it in Israel. We see it in our modern day. We can't take it with us. We can't send it ahead, and we can't trust it to who we're leaving it to. That's what Solomon is saying. So you can see why he gets kind of depressed here. Why, why he says, 
<coughs> that, that his heart is, is vexated, works of vexation, and his heart is in despair. And you see all of this because a life spent pursuing wealth and power and, and, and goods, material stuff, ends abruptly and unsatisfyingly in death. If you're not ready for death, you're not ready for life. You're not ready to live if you're not ready for death. And a life spent on the pursuit of these kinds of things, of the earthly things, the worldly things, is a life wasted. That's a life that is a vanity, a vapor, a wisp of smoke. It means nothing. But we, what we can do is we can send our lives ahead. Let me, let me remind you what Jesus said. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we can send treasure on ahead in heaven. What kind of treasure? Eternal purpose stuff. I've read the end of the book. There are three things that make it all the way to the end. People, the church, and the word of God. These things are here now and make it all the way to the end. Everything else goes away. Everything else, as a matter of fact, when you die, ends. Your pursuit of everything else dies when you die. Unless you're pursuing what these things, people, the church, the word of God, Paul, as I said earlier, Paul said to live is, is, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a life lived forward. That's a life sent forward. He's sending that life into heaven. He's sending the work that he does in Christ and for Christ to heaven. The stuff that matters. Relationships with people. The, the influence you can have in people's lives. The investments that you've made in people's lives. Those our treasures laid up in heaven. The stuff that, that's in your garage isn't. That stuff, we even say these days, the guy with the most toys at the end wins, right? No, he just loses them when he dies. It's just over at death. Because you can't take any of those toys with you. You can't take it with you. You can't send it ahead, and you can't trust it to who you're leaving it to. Only the things that are investment in people, investment in the church, and investment in the word of God last. That's treasure laid up in heaven. That's a life worth living. Solomon even talks about here, even if you get achieve all these things like Solomon achieved, he says you can't enjoy it because you toss and turn on your bed Worrying about how to keep it. Verse 23 says, For all his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. Even, then, even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is a depressing outlook. But this is the outlook of someone who is living for this life. Not living with eternal purpose. Not living uh, for, for the people he can invest in for the, the relationship she can have, for the, just for the stuff, just getting stuff, just gathering material stuff. 
ends at death. You can't take it with you. You can't send it ahead, and you can't trust it or protect it from the one who's going to inherit it. There's a, uh, another story that I caught of a, ma- a missionary. And this missionary was from Colorado, very, very uh, successful businessman, very successful. And he decides he's going to give it all up and go on a mission trip to Africa. And he's going to go live as a missionary in Africa. And so all of the people around him were saying, you're nuts. You work so hard for all this stuff. You work so hard for your company and for all this money in, your, in the bank and, and for all, these, all this security that you have. You work so hard for it, you're crazy for giving it up. And, and his response was, it is not foolish to give up what I cannot keep to achieve what I cannot lose. That's a life lived forward. That's a life sent forward. That's a life that matters because it's not about the stuff of this earth. It's about an investment in eternal perspective, an investment in people, an investment in the church, an investment in the word of God, eternal perspective rather than worldly. You can't take it with you. You you can't send it ahead. You can't protect it from the one who's going to inherit it. So what you must do is live with an eternal perspective. You must live a life of, of fear God and keep his commandments. That's exactly where Solomon gets to at the end of this Sermon, if you want to call it that. Chapter 12, verse 13, it's our memory verse. He says, when it's all been said and and done, when it's all been heard, this is what matters. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's a life lived forward. That's a life sent forward. That's a life with an eternal perspective. We are meant for eternity. We weren't meant for just this life. And we were not meant for just us. We were made for God. And so our mission in life must be fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's a life worth living. That's a life of purpose. That's a life whose death matters. That's a life that that lays up treasure in heaven, not here. So I must ask you, where's your treasure? What do you treasure in your heart? Are you living a life of eternal perspective, investing in people and relationships, investing in things that last? Or are you just spending your life gathering up stuff that you're going to leave to somebody else? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Consider that question because we we have a very clear difference between living a life for material stuff and wealth and power and influence and living a life in Christ and for Christ. A life that has purpose and meaning. A life that matters here and forever.
which are you living? If you don't know Jesus, you can this morning. It, it comes as a simple prayer. You can follow along in your own words and say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life and empower my life that I can live a life of purpose and meaning, a life that matters now and eternally. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but as you look at your life, it's really about gathering stuff. It's not about eternal perspective. Will you commit this morning to living with an eternal perspective from this day on? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you that, that we get this reminder from Solomon and from Jesus that our lives matter for eternity. Help us to live our lives for eternity and not just what we can gather here. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.